Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 10 of The Dying Alive, a podcast. This week, uh, the Penguins only played once, but it was good. Nothing is happening with Evgeny Malkin uh, after TJ Oshie violently collided with his shoulder, and uh, Tom Wilson uh, gets off the hook. So, as we said, episode 10. We've... I mean, this is a huge threshold, I feel like, for us. Um, double digits here. Jesse Marshall of The Athletic. Pittsburgh joined by, as always, Patrick Damp, uh, a synonym for wet from the Pens blog. Hello, Patrick. Hello, Jesse. And Mike Darnay uh, from Pensburg. How's it going, Michael? I am well. How are you? I'm, I'm very well. Are you having a rum and coke tonight? I am. What kind of rum is it? Captain Morgan got a little captain in you. Yeah, you know what? We we're on a good string here. Haven't missed a week yet, so I'm gonna keep doing what I'm doing. Keep putting yeah, pucks on net. You keep the hot hand in. You know. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're you're in your you're living your best, Casey DeSmith. Basically, yes. <laughs> Speaking of, uh, it's a good time to mention that the Penguins are actively playing the New Jersey Devils and are losing one nil. Uh, which and again just. For the early portion of this one, New Jersey's so goddamn annoying. Uh, just uh, they're they're a, a pesky team. Uh, but Casey DeSmith, let's start there because he's coming out of a shutout or coming off of a shutout, excuse me, uh, and I guess out of one as well. I guess both work. Um, uh, from last start, beautiful performance. Uh, he's kept the net. Uh, Matt Murray's struggles are well documented. Uh, We've always sort of seen Mike Sullivan go back to Matt Murray as quickly as possible. And is maybe, is it just me or is this different? Is this like Mike Sullivan's like, nah, okay, this is fine. And never really a guy that's apt to change much when winning. But at the same time, is the stretch surprising you? I think after losing five games in a row, you finally get a win, break that streak. And it wasn't just a run of the mill. 18 save shutout for Casey DeSmith. I believe he had 35 saves, maybe closer to 40. I'm not sure what the actual number was. Several point blank. Several. And several robberies. We mentioned on the last show, and this will be a good segue for you, Pat. We mentioned on the last show that Murray uh, was getting the toughs, right? I mean, he was getting, you know, really, let's be honest, the shit starts. Uh, That was really the first start for Casey DeSmith where he had to sort of weather the storm. Yeah, exactly. We talked about that last week, as you said, that it seemed when Matt Murray was in the net, the Penguins were leaving him out to dry and leaving that prime real estate directly in front of him, wide open. And when they played in front of DeSmith up until Saturday night, they seemed to insulate better as well as play a little more accountable defensively. That all changed Saturday night, which Mike and I saw firsthand in person. How many beers did you have? Uh, I don't. <clears throat> I don't want to. I don't. I can't. Are you? Spe- I can't you, speculate. I can't are, speculate. Are you pleading the fifth on beers? I'm not pleading the fifth. I just can't speculate. <laughs> so you're unsure of the number. I am not. I'm not. I can't answer that question. I'm just confused, Patrick. I will also side on the. Go on the side of not wanting to get my facts incorrect, 
I can say that I had multiple, and that is about as much as I can confirm. Okay. I can say, okay. I, can say okay. I had. Okay. I, okay. Let me stop you right there. Okay. Because if this is going to be like a Senate intelligence hearing, you are not getting off the hook with this. Okay. I just, midterms are over. I just got voted into office, and I'm here to ask. The tough questions. So, Senator Marshall, reelected. Your, to your best, to your best knowledge, did you exceed six beers? Yes. Okay, Patrick, six beers. Not at the game. Okay. <laughs> Not at the game, but over the course of the evening. While I was while I was physically inside PPG Paints Arena, I did not exceed six beers. That much is confirmed. And you don't have those deep Darnay pockets, right? Because that's the thing. Toes just fliff after fliff, not even counting it out there. Uh, all I know um, is when I saw him at the arena, I saw him hands in pockets, stuffing down as much as he could. I don't know if that was uh, money or not, but I am not one to speculate. Okay, that's fair. Um, just wanted to get a gauge of what level you guys were at. Because if we're going to be receiving commentary from both of you about this game, I feel it's only appropriate that the audience, sort of a disclaimer, be made aware of what kind of state of mind, because let's say I have a take and your take's way off mine, it's probably because you're blackout drunk. So at least <laughs> this is like the one show where I know I'm right. Like there's no debate in my mind. Like I, I've, I've got all the upper hand. Uh, I'm George Costanza in this show today. I've got all the hand. No, but I mean, o- overall, though, I did notice that while at the game Saturday that it seemed that Arizona was getting a lot of high-quality chances in front of DeSmith, and obviously he was very much up to the task, shutting them out. But also, was it... I never remember how to say his name. Is it Kempe or Kemper? Kemper. Kemper. He also played very well. The I know a lot of people had the take at the end of the first period in the Arizona game when it was 0-0 that, well, in another game against Arizona, it looks like I didn't miss anything. He made a lot of high-quality saves in the first period. Yeah, until the Penguins' floodgates opened and they started, uh, I believe, what, they had three goals in the second period, I want to say. Until they started getting those, uh, it looked like it was the Kemper versus the Smith show. Mike's on NHL.com right now. Like, let me see the box score here. <laughs> second period. Second period. Yeah, that was when they scored those goals. See, the joke's on you because NHL.com is actually a website. This does not work. That's Yeah. Nobody's going on NHL.com and finding any information. You guys are telling me that you don't believe NHL.com is the place to go for advanced analytics. Listen, shout out. Shout out to Emmanuel Perry, the base god. Korska. The man has done so much for the game of hockey. And I say not- that I say that and I say that without sarcasm. Uh, and Manny also has done quite a bit for the Pokemon communities and the salad communities. And there's also two very uh, important yet underrepresented groups of people. This is an audio podcast. I pointed up when you brought up Manny, <laughs> like anybody could see that. <laughs> um anyway. So, uh, no surprise. We have to. I'm going to make a cursory mention of the fact that uh, Evgeny Malkin, uh, nothing uh, came of the uh, TJ Oshie incident, and rightfully so. Uh, in retrospect, I don't even know that a game misconduct was necessary there. No, I, I, I agree. Um, I think if he had not been given a game misconduct, he may have gotten a game. 
just because that's kind of how things often, yeah. wor- often work when there's a hit that looks bad, even if it's not bad. But the fact that he was tossed from the game and missed two periods, they kind of, I'm guessing they just said, all right, we'll wash our hands of it. Yeah. yeah, and I can agree with that. And I also think, uh, in a way, it was similar to the Steeler game on Thursday where Eric Reed got ejected for his hit on Roethlisberger. But I put it more as it's a rivalry game where it was a tight game. So you just want to cut any sort of anything that can get out of hand, cut it off at the head when you can. And I think that's also some of the judgment that went into that. Yeah, and it, again, I mean, it's just no, no prior history is just an easy call. Um, so the Penguins are playing the Devils right now, and they're, they they look pretty bad. Uh, so if you want to see the, you know, the, the old takes exposed might uh, get a hold of this one later and laugh at me, but uh, just it's early, but they, you know, it looks a little rough. Um, well, that's kind of been p- part of their issue this year is that they've started games not on time as. Coach, I don't think's all that great, Mike Babcock would say. Yeah. And Tampa Bay Thursday night. That's the clash of the Titans. Yeah, I think that's a litmus test of sorts for where this Penguins team is at right now. And let's be honest. I mean, although they lost to Washington, they did play very well. And if you go back and look at their premier games this season, they've they've won most of them, right? Yeah, yeah, which I think is the Penguins' biggest flaw, maybe, is they they play up to competition when it's needed, and they play down to competition when they can. Right, so is I think, does that give validity then to the argument that the team is, you know, seasoned a and B 100% aware of the fact that it's October or November now, but you know, we're getting towards Thanksgiving. Yeah, it's absolutely. It's yeah. worrisome just because I know that they can turn the switch when need be, but you don't want your team to be that way for an extended period of time. You know, the later we get into November and then into December, that needs to go away. It doesn't matter if you're playing the New Jersey Devils. It doesn't matter if you're playing the Washington Capitals or, you know, the Tampa Bay Lightning. You need to put your foot on the gas and go full speed ahead regardless of opponent. That is a power play goal by Phil Kessel. Yeah, Ben Ben Lovejoy just got destroyed. Yeah. (laughs) Old Reverend there. The old Rev. Old Rev, hey, Old Rev had a good last year. Got to give it up to Old Rev for that. He last did, year. and and I remember how mad I was when that trade was made the year prior, and then he was oh, a dude, huge absolutely. player. Yeah, no, he was great. Yeah, absolutely. Very. I mean, you know, he got he got that uh, that that babysat deployment, and we know how that we know how that goes. Yeah, Phil in front of the net. Hmm. Wow. Just on the side of the cage, tucked up to the post there. What a pass by Cry. Oh, my God, that pass. It, it, that play, obviously, oh. obviously, if you're listening now, I assume you'll have seen the game last night or, oh, or watching the highlights. It reminds me of the goal from, I believe it was Crosby to Malkin on the road in San Jose in the 2016 final. Mm. Yep. Yep. Good memory there. Thank you. Oh, that's impressive. So speaking um, of Tampa. <laughs> yeah, no, well, let me let me also make mention of this. Um, so the, I want to briefly touch on the fact that 
we're at a point now where Derek Broussard is like progressing and skating. Um, we, we talk about trades. Jim Rutherford's obviously been vocal and, and has come out and said a lot of aggressive things about the state of the team. Maybe those things are motivational. Uh, but we're also in Jim Rutherford trade season right now. Actively, I think we can say we're, we've entered uh, into uh, Jim Rutherford trade season. So is that all talk? Um, and what do you what happens to Derek Broussard when he comes back? Where do you play him? Do you play him on the wing? Do you go back to center? What do we expect of him at this point? I think it can be a little bit of both. Um, one of the things I think that makes Broussard a good get for the Penguins is if you're playing a team that is maybe only too deep at center, they only have a first and second line center, you can justify putting him on Sid's wing. But if you're playing a team that's deeper down the middle, you make him the 3C, which then takes the Penguins to a point where they have the better depth down the middle. At the same time, though, and I got to give credit to acquaintance of the pod, Jeff, that screws up J-E-F-F J-E-F-F that J-E-F-F that kind of messes with line chemistry and continuity as a whole for a season yeah yeah I don't I don't have an issue with that from game to game um, especially if it's a home game and you have last change to try to make the matchups work yeah and uh, you know Here's the thing about that, though. Mike Sullivan, to me, is the kind of guy that doesn't care about matchups much. Unless he's really, really taking a beating. I think his matchup style is more... Sure. It's And it's more focused when you get to the postseason. When you're playing a team four to seven times in a series, as opposed to three to four times throughout an entire season. When it gets down to it that he's playing the same opponent every other night in a playoff series, he wants to get the matchups he wants, as opposed to in the regular season, he wants to make sure that he is getting the most out of his lineup on that specific night. And my stream just took a dump. (laughs) That's cool. Speaking of uh, great products for the NHL, I'm so <laughs> mad. I have to just look tangent. I, can we stop? Like, I will not anytime soon be writing a Gary Bettman appreciation article. It's not coming. So who? 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 Gary? Gary Bettman? Who? Right. Barry Getman. It's it's like uh, this Hall of Fame thing, you know, is stirring up these. You know, I want to write. I want to write, write a glamour piece about the the work stoppages. I was going to say, can we put him into the work stoppage Hall of Fame? Because twenty twenty, right around the corner. Yeah, he'll be he'll be what the first uh, major sports league commissioner to have a work stoppage three times. It's all right, can, guys. Can I play? They're going to book train. We all love train. They're super cool and relevant. Shout out to Train uh, for uh, and Def Leppard uh, for you know keeping the NHL at the top. They, of, they can't afford uh, Def Leppard. They, they uh, Def Leppard put the Stanley Cup upside down on the counter. I do. Can I? Can I also play devil's advocate? First of all, it's not Train Jesse. It's Fallout Boy. Let's not get it twisted. Oh, right, yeah. That's who's showing up. 
Secondly, the, the bastard version of Fallout Boy that exists from the good old days. Yeah, right. And secondly, can I play a little bit of Devil's Advocate on Batman? I mean, I, yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go to. I mean, I'm, I, I'm sure I know where this is going, but yes, go ahead. the point I was gonna make was that when it comes to the work stoppages, at least the most recent, the NHLPA needs to get a better head than Donald Fear. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Because it's... it's it's, it's, mutually exclusive. But the point I'm making is it's a vicious cycle. The owners take advantage of the Players Association and the CBA. The CBA comes up and the players go, oh, this is bullshit, we're getting screwed. And then they hold out. And then they get worked over again, and then it happens again. Like... I'm yeah, not. Then, I'm not. I'm not absolving Gary Bettman of blame here, but at the same time, you guys got to do better. Yeah, and then the owners, you know, do something like give a 17 million dollar contract to Ilya Kovalchuk and say, "Why don't I have any money?" Exactly, and <laughs> this is fair. This and, is competitive. And to quote one of my all-time favorite comedians, Bill Shout Burr. Out to, Bowman. to quote one of my all-time favorite comedians, Bill Burr. Before the last work stoppage, he had a great quote about it, and he goes, "I swear to God, anytime the N- I swear to God, the NHL is afraid of success. Anytime the game in the sport has been at its highest point, the owners just take their goddamn arenas and go home." Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, owners and decisions, uh, Joel Quenville got fired. He sure did. Whoo! Taking the fall, in my opinion. Jesus Christ himself could not coach that roster to a playoff yeah, spot. I, th- I think taking the fall is probably the best way to put it. Um, Nine games in a row, I think they've lost now as of the time of recording, or is it eight? I'm probably eight going on nine. Yeah, and, and I think it's one of those things where if you're the GM and you can feel the walls closing in on you, firing the coach might buy you a little more time. I mean, if we flash back to 2013 when the Penguins got swept by the Bruins – if Ray Shiro had fired Dan Bilesma right then and there, he probably would have bought himself more than a year. But when he tethered himself to him, he was fired alongside him a year later. Um, I think this is Bowman's last attempt to try to hang on for another couple of years. Yeah, and I that was Ray Shiro's biggest downfall was tethering himself to Dan Bilesma. Which why would you? But mean, also, not only did he give him a vote of confidence, he gave him a contract extension. Yeah, and I brought it up briefly last week. Uh, one of Jesse's colleagues over at the Athletic, Mark Lazarus, wrote a piece on the Quenville firing and the power struggle between Bowman and Quenville was just ridiculous. He basically started trading away the guys that. Quenville loved as much as he could and screwing with uh, Quenville as much as he could and then was just looking for any excuse to get rid of him. So it, it and then when he came out and said, oh, you know, you're never going to disagree with the people you work with. Well, you're also not going to actively try to undercut them at every turn. Yeah, so rough situation uh, there. We got to get to this Tom Wilson thing. Oh, boy, do we have to? You know, here's the thing. And and Sean Gentile echoed, uh, of the Post-Gazette, echoed a similar sentiment 
to this I saw in his article today. But it, it you know, you, you kind of like this takes you down a path, I think. So you have an independent arbitrator reduce the suspension to 14 games. So you're minus two, right? Because this is game 16. And now we look at that and we say, well, the, the arbitrator is undoing the good thing that the NHL did, right? The problem is the NHL got it wrong so many times that of punishment that is essentially normal or should be normal is viewed as too extreme and is reduced. If a precedent had been set of these types of suspensions being more commonplace, the likelihood of them holding up in front of an arbitrator is slim to none. So the NHL is not only uh, not on par with where they should be, they're so far behind that they have to somehow find a way to usher in this culture change in a leadership group that wants more people to get hit upside the head. Yeah, yeah, I think it, it's a mess. It's, and I think it's a, it's such a mess because there's so much or so many subjective decisions to be made in all this that I feel like the only way this gets solved down the road is a cut and dry objective rule in the CBA, much like there is for banned substances. Yeah, because if you're Nate Schmidt right now, you're banging your head off of a wall because he, regardless of whether he's innocent or not, he did not get the same kind of benefit of the doubt that a guy like Tom Wilson did. And not to mention, one of the ways this could have been avoided is if you're the NHL and the neutral arbitrator and Tom Wilson, let this get to game 19 or game 20 and just tell them, look, we know you're trying to get money back and we'll reduce it after it's over. So you've served your time. And I'm not going to read the full quote because it's just nonsense. But Tom Wilson going on record is saying that he doesn't like being considered a dirty player. Um, You know, as somebody who pays a lot of attention to the NHL draft, you could really see this coming, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, know, and uh, and because at this level, sorry, Mike, at this level, the talent that he had in junior, right, as a younger guy coming up and, and getting, you know, ready to get drafted, he was really great at scoring. I mean, he was. I mean, he had he showcased a little bit of slick hands, um, but that was not on par with his ability to destroy people. And he did it a lot because he was bigger than everyone. So I, I felt like how he was coached or what his early portion of play looked like um, was kind of going to form where his career went. And I think to stay in the league, um, you know, he has to do it this way, he thinks. Yeah, I mean, if basically, if you don't want to be referred to as a dirty player, don't be a dirty player. It's not that complicated. I mean, Ted Ted Kaczynski probably didn't want to be referred to as the Unabomber, but... 
Guess what? <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but I, I, I get what you're saying, Jesse. It's it's emblematic and points to a culture that's broken. He felt like he had to play that way in order to keep a job, and that gets into such a deeper discussion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do uh, we want to get into the concussion lawsuit settlement here? Um, uh, can't hurt to touch on it. Um, I, I I'll be honest with you. I haven't sink. I haven't had a chance to sink like my teeth into it. I, I briefly I briefly perused it, but I want to take like I want to take some time and like really look at it. Yeah, I'd like to do the same. Um, I do know I was reading a little bit about it. Apparently, the league went with a low ball offer on the settlement because so few players joined the settlement. Um when they were initially expecting that a whole lot of players were going to join and that didn't happen. Yeah, and I will say to build to agree with what you guys said there, I do want to dig in it dig into it a little more, which I will be doing with J E F F over the next few weeks. We're going to co author a kind of a long feature for Penn's blog about it. Um, but along with what you were saying, Mike one of the other issues that happened with this settlement was that basically. So, wait, so what you're saying is you get you get a Jeff and a Pat for the price of just a Pat. It's true. You do. This is the kind of deals you get at, at www.pensblog.com. <laughs> yes, it is. And one of, to kind of build on what Mike was saying there, one of the other issues is that not a lot of key names who weren't directly involved with the suit put their support behind the people in the suit and it was because they wanted to preserve potentially future earnings and reputation among NHL franchises that they played for as well as possibly future earnings from being alumni with those teams so not wanting to mess up that reputation they either gave canned say nothing quotes about it or they just avoided it completely, which is the opposite of what happened in the NFL with their concussion settlement where a lot of big names got involved and made their voices heard in regards to the concussion issues in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, Michael. Yes. This is your moment. It is my weekly moment. <laughs> take us into the reader correspondences i have uh, can we i i would like to suggest we call them listener correspondences you know that's probably a better idea um probably should have told everybody that i'm an idiot (laughs) (laughs) i will i will be i will say though why don't we just say correspondences and drop the adjective that's fine i can i can work with that That, yeah that's okay that's fine Okay, uh, Matt Schaefer, topical question here. How many games does Tom Wilson play before he throws his next questionable hit? It's going to be a while because he knows he's under it, the microscope. But is it, is it closest without going over? Price is right rules. 20. I'm going to say 25. Should have went with 15. <clears throat> I'm going to, if we're playing prices right rules, I'm going to go with one. <laughs> <laughs> game, game did just start. 
No, but I think he, I think it's going to be a little bit longer than expected with him, just because he knows he's under the microscope. And it, yeah, it, but Pat, you could have said the same thing about like how he ended the year last year. Like I, I just you know what I mean? know like the carryover. Like it, I, I just I don't have. There's no evidence to suggest that any of this makes sense to him. I know. I got to stop having <laughs> faith in humanity. I really do. Yeah. God. Uh, let's see. Uh, B asks, inspired by the last episode, what are your top three Letter Kenny episodes? All right, so Stakes is definitely on there. Um, well, this is hard. I was going to say, I think I'm going to defer to you on this one, Jesse, because I haven't seen every single episode, so I feel like I'm not educated. Oh, neither enough. have I, dude. Honestly, honestly, I was going to say I, I'm drawn on a very limited sample here. I was going to say basically any season premiere because they have those cold opens where they just go through something ridiculously fast and it's what hilarious. It? Yeah, and like the one where it was like uh, your pants, uh, you know, the one where they're making fun of the kid because of his pants. Yeah, and I was going to go... There's the one where he goes through the entire alphabet. Yeah. I uh, I don't even know what the hell this show is. Never even heard of it. You should oh. watch it. It's about, it's about Alberta. Okay. It, it's, it's like Trailer Park Boys, but on the West Coast. Okay. Yeah. And um, hockey's tangentially involved. Uh, hockey B, is tangentially involved. B also had a follow-up oh, question. Uh, who, somebody brought the... Uh, uh, anyway, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Uh, also, a follow-up question... Who's the most underrated Penguins player, past or present? Most underrated. Um, Damn. I don't know if my answer is the most underrated. I probably have to sit down and really think about it to come up with most underrated. But I feel like during his tenure here, Paul Martin was underrated. Yeah, the redemption tour for Paul Martin was stuff of legend. Can I say Grant Jennings? Because he was really good. Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, that's the direction I'm going in. Um, Because, I mean, those early 90s teams were just so stacked. Right. And he played an important role. I mean, I I almost feel like people don't understand how good Kevin Stevens was. Oh, that's who I should have gone with. He was my favorite player growing up. Younger generation. And look, like. Kevin Stevens is is doing amazing things right now in the real world Um, in in the way he's meeting with people and and, and sort of counseling and mentoring them. It's come a long way. And like, I I think people know him because of those, the the opposite of those stories. Whereas like he had just such an amazing career and when he was going like that, he had that swagger, you know, he predicted the Penguins wouldn't lose again. Um, in that Boston series and, and that they would win um, and, and that was so gutsy at the time and people were like oh shit and like it woke the team up you know like he was a good player and I think people he gets short sold a lot yeah I like that uh, Alex asks is it time to sit Matt Cullen and give someone like Teddy Bluger a shot as the fourth line center yeah I didn't expect Matt Cullen to play it you know in a lot of back to backs this year I thought they'd give him a break kind of surprised that they haven't already so i would do it not even as a performance related thing as much as i would just to give the dude a rest real quick yeah agreed i I, and i also didn't think he would be playing at this low of a level too yeah that's the that's the added crappy part to it yeah he looked really good in the preseason and then kind of hit a wall yeah 
Uh, Devin asks, what are the best way to prepare eggs? I'm going to go ahead and say friend of the pod, Devin. Yeah. Uh, the correct answer is scrambled. Okay. Agreed. All right. I ha- I am in agreement with the two of you, except I'm going to... Benedict. No. No. Oh. No, I am agreeing with scrambled. However, I'm going to go with Anthony Bourdain's scrambled eggs recipe. Yeah, no, that's dope. Yeah, that's real dope. For uh, those for those who may not be aware, the way you make eggs this way, you, you cook bacon diced up in a pan. Once the bacon's done... You crack the eggs right in and scramble them right in the pan. Yeah. Oh, that's that's considered the Bourdain method. You add some sour cream or creme fraiche, and you finish them with green onions or chives. Because I've done the scrambled eggs and ba- cooked in bacon it's, grease so not so many times because I'd be dead. But they're they're perfect. They got to be cheese eggs though. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, and and this is just me, but I'm throwing Frank's on top too. Yeah. yeah Have fine. to. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Reuter asks, what is the most overrated TV show or movie? Cracking my knuckles here real quick. Yeah, no, I, I didn't know this one was coming. So why don't you go first? Because I got to think about this for a second. Feel free to <laughs> at me about this because I'm overrated re- TV show or movie. Correct. Feel free to at me about this because I'm standing by it. Breaking Bad. Oh, sh- straight up. I've never watched Breaking Bad. Do you want to do you want to watch a season of a show where uh, Aaron Paul consistently consistently asks the dad from Malcolm in the Middle if they should cook because it's heart pounding excitement. Shut the fuck up. Did you uh, did you Pat? Did you watch Sons of Anarchy? Yes, it's one of did my all time favorite shows. Okay, I was just gonna say like I also have not watched Sons of Anarchy. You you have to watch both. Um, and for the I'm record, not there's too many episodes. I'm I'm not. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, For the record, my answer is The Walking Dead. (sighs) Yeah, I'm not going to go that way, though, because The Walking Dead just flat out sucks right now. (laughs) 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 People who liked it don't like it anymore. Like nobody nobody's excited about The Walking Dead. It seems like everybody that watches it now is just miserable. And honestly, straight up The Big Bang Theory is garbage. Yes. There's, There's no reason it should have lasted this long. And the fact that young Sheldon is a thing makes me want to just eat soap. It's so bad. It's so bad. I just want to rub soap in my eyeballs. Go ahead. A friend of the pod, Morgan, asks if PBR is the best beer. Well, it does have a blue ribbon, Morgan. So I'm not for PBR, but I can't also argue against it because it it does have a a blue ribbon. That ribbon speaks for itself. Right. So what are you going to do, you know? I mean, Morgan and I already sparred over this on Twitter. Yeah, you don't like PBR, huh? I do not. I, Bye. Look, I'll be Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I, first of all, how dare you? Um, no, I, I don't like actively seek PBR out. You know, it, if like, it's in front of me, I will drink it, but yeah, I'm not seeking yeah, it absolutely. out. No. I, OK, well, that's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I'll tell you a story. Like, I went to a bar one time down south. They only served PBR. I wasn't pissed. No. I was like, all right, whatever. Let's go. You know, they're two bucks. We're like, every shit. Uh, Michael asks, best Penguins game you have ever personally attended? And he notes for him it was game three of the 2009 Eastern Conference final in Raleigh. He was chirped at for wearing a Mario Lemieux jersey. And then the Penguins blew out Carolina six to two. Game six, 2009. Oh, the final? 
Yeah. That was uh, Rob Scuderi, correct? Um, and that was one of – and Jordan Stahl that night, that was one of the best performances I've ever seen. For I me, the, oh, ahead, it's game two of the 2017 conference finals against Ottawa. Kessel had the only goal, one nothing win. I have never heard a louder arena during a scoreless game. Yeah, um, I, yeah, I think with the I, I wasn't at that game, but that style of game with the way Ottawa played, scoring chances were so few, and it was zero zero. And then late in the game, they score. I, I could see that. Um, for me, jointly, it is the 2016 final game one and 2017 final game one. Um, the, the games were eerily similar. Uh, in 2016, the Penguins lead 2-0. San Jose comes back and ties it 2-2. The Penguins score late to win. In 2017, the Penguins lead 3-0. Nashville comes back and ties it 3-3. And Jake Ensel scores, and the Penguins win late. Uh, very strange games both times. And if I recall correctly, Mike, game one in 2016 was all because of a bet you lost. That was correct. Um... Conversely, the worst game I ever attended was in the X Generation. Um, and I say this as somebody who watched Detroit lift the cup in the building in 2008. Uh, but when I was in college, we bought it, you know, X Generation back in the day, Student Rush. You could pick up the ticket before the before the game. You didn't have to wait in line. Oh, know? yeah, I did that. Waiting in line was the Sidney Crosby era thing. Before that, it was all, you know, you could go the day before the game and get your ticket. And you always sat right behind Marc-Andre Fleury. B12 was a section And uh, so anyway We're in the student rush section And it's a Wednesday night And it's against the Minnesota Wild Now remember guys This is Minnesota Wild circa 2002-2003 Right? So So essentially the Devils Yeah, Trap City Like boring ass hockey So you look at this game on the schedule And the Eddie Olchek coached Penguins Had recently lost Rico Fata Now you might say to yourself Whoa, what a big deal because Rico Fata was the only player capable of scoring goals for that hockey team. Okay, <laughs> think about that for a minute. Okay, Rico Fata was the only player capable of scoring goals. Uh, so he goes down with a phantom knee injury. Uh, the Minnesota Wild, I think they went up 6 nothing in the first period. Good um, lord. And the lights went out in Mellon Arena. <laughs> was that the – no, that wasn't the new arena night. The power went out. Yeah, it was new arena night. It was one of them. Yeah, I mean, that happened all the time. Uh, but out to this day, that was the darkest place I've ever been. <laughs> there was no light in the arena. It was pitch black. And, like, this was the day, like, with no iPhone, you know? Like, if you had a cell phone, it was garbage and it wasn't lighting up shit. You were playing uh, Snake on your Nokia. Yeah, you couldn't see uh, the hand in front of your face. Uh, and I'll, the funniest thing of all time, there, and, and I hope these guys are listening to this show. I, I doubt they are, but there were two guys that were always in the student rush section. They went to Duquesne, and their names were Lance and Rich. Right? I can remember that much. And these dudes w- were hyped about Penguins hockey, despite the fact that this team was just garbage. <laughs> like, every night was the best night. And uh, when the lights went out, one of the two of them behind me yelled, It's the ghost of Rico Fata's knee. <laughs> <laughs> Like Rico Fat has seen enough. <laughs> so uh, anyway, continue on. That was that got out of hand. Uh, I got two more. Uh, Melinda asks for the most unrealistic armchair GM trade you could come up with. Wow. 
Well, I Chad, I trade Chad Ruedel uh, to Edmonton for Connor McDavid. Well, yeah, um, <laughs> done. Yeah, well, I'll take it. That's uh, that's NHL, that's NHL, NHL, NHL ninety six forced trade. I mean, given the state of the Oilers, is that out of the word? I mean, would they? No, no. I'm going to go a little more realistic. Uh, I'm going to go. I need a more realistic. Wow. Oli <laughs> uh, Mata for William Nylander, one for one. All right, here you go. Uh, I would go Jack Johnson to San Jose for Eric Carlson. Okay. Topical. Last question from Tim Bowers. Does Jack Johnson have any redeeming qualities? I got this question. Yeah, man. He's a great guy. Yeah, he seems to be in really good shape. Uh, if, if if in the if in the room was any indication, the little mini feature he had on it, that dude is jacked. Yeah. No pun. No pun intended. Um. There was something I was gonna say. I just I was looking something up on my phone. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, subreddit of the week is gonna be a new uh, series for me. Uh, shout out our space. You shouted them out last you week. Yeah, you gotta <laughs> find a new one. You did. I shouted out our space last week. Yep, you did. Did, did they have anything new though, oh, Jesse? Here we go. R quit your bullshit. <laughs> R quit your bullshit is great. Just sort it by top posts of all time, and it's just people making absurd claims on the internet that immediately get shot down. A lot of it's like based on reverse Google searching things. Like somebody would be like, look at my hot girlfriend, like this high school kid would be like, oh, yeah. and then somebody's like, dude, I just reversed it and she's like a model and like can't. <laughs> it's great. I actually know a kid in high school who tried to pull that off. He Wait, tried are you, to. Are you, he, oh, he, like he, he self catfished. He like tried to tell us he had this hot girlfriend who was a. Who was. You ended know up, cool. You'll know her. Exactly. Yeah. Us you, classic. You you know know a, had, every high school had one. You know what a good. Uh, a good subreddit is I'd have like you would have to google it because it's a closed reddit now it's just all backlogged it's people writing about shit they did in, when they played the sims there is some <laughs> sociopathic <laughs> shit in there it's really messed up stuff in that like, and, and I mean, it, it's not people just like living out their darkest fantasies. It, it's not like I created a house and then clo- and then locked them in a room. It's like thirty paragraphs of an entire narrative that they made. All those people are on watch lists, guaranteed, and rightfully so. And like, I thought I did some dumb shit playing The Sims. I read this, I was like, huh, I'm basically a kindergartner who learned how to play this game. Um. I will mention that uh, in celebration of the 10th episode of the podcast, um, I just want to remind all of our listeners that we'll be here for you, unlike Le'Veon Bell. (laughs) Well, I heard you were going to drop a single today because you weren't going to show up for the podcast. Yeah, no, I was holding out for more money um, and I was going to I was going to spit a hot 16 in the booth. (laughs) (laughs) How long until his next mixtape drops that this is on the Steelers? Um. I two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah. I'll tell you what. One day I opened up my. Uh, I rarely use Spotify on desktop, um, but I opened it up one day and uh, it was the. It, I was bullshitting around and I, you know you have a friend friends list on there and it tells you what your friends are listening to 
and uh, Sean Gentilly, shout out Sean from Post Gazette. We got to have him on the show one day. Um, he was listening to the Le'Veon Bell mixtape, <laughs> and I was—I literally went on immediately went on Twitter. I was like, "This is going to be great." <laughs> like, posted a screenshot of it, and he was like, "Oh yeah." He's like, "I'm almost done," and it was just the article was phenomenal. I remember I, I read that, and <laughs> man, it, it's so nice having Sean. Even though it's been a while now, it's so nice having Sean back in the city writing for. The post cassette. Yeah, fantastic. Because especially when you consider the, the the whole absurdity of of what's going on with the Steelers, it's just the sideshow act that they are. Um, I keep I keep retweeting Mike though. I'm sure I'm annoying the shit out of him. His tweet from last week where he was like, "It's a disservice to keep talking about Bell." Like everybody was going off today. And I was like, "I'm finding Mike's Mike's tweet and tweet and retweeting it again." Yeah. Um, Mike, here's some updated information for you. Okay. Guess oh. who's having a medical at West Ham? Mm. I honestly have, you, I have no idea. I'll give you a hint. Okay. Uh, maligned player who perhaps saw his best days at Manchester City under Manuel Pellegrini. Somebody I guarantee you don't like as well. Is that one of those fancy bottled waters? <laughs> <laughs> can I have another? Can I have another? What position does he play? Midfield. Midfield and has not played a game in eighteen months. It's not. Uh, oh shit! It's his name. It's not Yaya Torre, is it? No, Samir Nasri. Oh, oh! Did he re- did he did he re- rebound from his whole uh, doping thing? Yes, apparently. <laughs> apparently, <laughs> that's all you need to know, Pat. Uh, coming off an eighteen-month doping ban, uh, has not touched a soccer ball. Well, he probably has, but he's not. Uh, do- a doping ban. While I believe he was outed by somebody else who hacked his Twitter account. <laughs> that's correct. Yeah. Um, the human drama that is EPL. Well, he's a good. He's a good player, though. This this was in Spain. <laughs> this wasn't even in England. Uh, it was out of the country. This isn't even on the continent, but out of the country. Well, you know what they say about those uh, Spaniards and their doping incidents. I don't know. I didn't even like receiving uh, intravenous fluids, though. Was and it was like some weird situation you'd expected to have been innocuous, if I remember correctly. Yeah. yeah, I think I think it was like one of those services where you can hire someone to come give you an IV bag of fluids after you drink too much. Ah, except this one went a little further. Well, I'll tell you what, buddy. Andy Carroll's looking for a pal. So <laughs> um, I don't have anything else. Oh, I, I do have a plug uh, tomorrow on the athletic. Tomorrow will be Wednesday, the 14th. For those of you who are listening to this, uh, I'm going to talk. Here's a, here's something for you, Pat. Uh, something that people like you and I are never good enough to think about. Uh, but, um, okay. <laughs> we always talk about Sidney Crosby's blade, right? And how the, his blade is primarily responsible for his backhand. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm also I'm going to talk about why that's only part of it um, and why his lie, uh, his stick lie, is also a big part of it. Are there physics involved here? Because I don't do physics. We're not going to talk about it. Yeah. We're not going to talk about physics. I had an argument about Sid's blade at the game on Saturday. You remember that? Uh, a buddy of mine that I went with who... Was it Peep? What? Was it Peep? No, it was not Peep. Oh, okay. 
uh, a buddy of mine who I knew growing up, I went with him, and he also played hockey, and he was like, no, Sid's, Sid's blade isn't a heel curve. And I was like, dude, I used his blade in college. It's a heel curve. I know firsthand. No, no I will. I'm going to defend your buddy here because the, the pro style series of, of Crosby's blade, like the, the one that, that he's cutting, it doesn't have that big of a heel curve. Uh, it, I wasn't arguing that it was a big curve. I was saying it is a heel curve, not a toe curve, and he just wouldn't buy it. I was like, how do you okay, think he's so taking like, backhands? Okay, right, and if and if you're going to make the argument that Crosby has a curve, then you would argue that it's a heel curve. Now yeah, he, ba- he barely has one at all. That's the thing. The only thing is that when you go to the store and you buy a Crosby blade, you're getting a much more pronounced heel curve than you're not, he Yeah, buys. you're not getting what he actually uses. Nobody should ever use that stick. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no one should ever try that. Like, yeah, I watched this uh, a special recently on uh, um, PGA golfers having to use like old timey equipment from the sixties and fifties, and they were all just getting their asses handed to them. Like, that's what would happen if any normal person tried to use Sidney Crosby's stick. Like, you would just be like, "What the? I have no idea what I'm doing." No, it's anyway. It's so goddamn short. That's the point. Um, you know, yeah. that, it, we don't talk about that enough. That not only is it is it the flex insane, but uh, it's also really short. And that, you know, if you think about it, he's always bearing down, right? Yeah, and giving the whole article away. Subscribe to the Athletic. <laughs> uh, that there, there'll be more in there. Don't worry. It's just, that's a cursory understanding of how it works. And I know, I know, Jesse. Me and you can nerd out over hockey sticks and curves for hours at a time. No, I mean, I just. Uh, yeah, I, I never put that much thought into my six. Growing yeah. up, it was which one of these is the cheapest. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, why? Well, that's it. Yeah, the, the best sticks I ever got were after I was done playing and I was working for either the Nailers or the Comets and I was getting these pro stock sticks that yeah, guys yeah. weren't using. They're like, here, do you want this? You play hockey, right? <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, all right. Well, thanks for listening to the show. Um and we appreciate uh, all the feedback and questions. Keep them coming to us. Uh, we've been kicking around the idea of starting up a Dying Alive Twitter handle. Thinking about it. Thinking about it. Feel free to give us your feedback on that and many other things. That's uh, Mike Darnay at... <laughs> 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 all right, gentlemen. Thank you, uh, thank you all for uh, joining again and, and celebrating 10 episodes in a row. And we'll uh, chat with you all next week. See ya. See you guys.